Straight out of the heart of Texas, here come the students of conflict, helping you become a better Malifaux player and reach the top of the podium, one game at a time. Welcome to Students of Conflict. We are Clay and Doug tonight. Hello! Hello! <laughs> and we are trying to become better Melifo players. We're leveling up ourselves and hopefully leveling others up as well. We do that by interviewing top third players from the Lone Star Conference that are playing in Malifaux tournaments across the U.S. We're not trying to capture the entire tournament journey here. We want to just take an in-depth look at a single game from each of our guests. What were the key decisions that they made before the game, during the game, and now looking back at the game, what were the things that they learned that they can pass on to others? Our basic format is to interview our guests all at once, just as soon as possible after the tournament, where it's all fresh in their minds and we can get some good cross-flow between the guests. And then rather than publishing one long marathon podcast, we break it up, releasing one individual podcast per guest, helping people level up one game at a time. Today, we are speaking with Andre, Ryan, and Carlo. Hello. What up? What's up? Outcast for life, baby! Yeah. <laughs> that, what he said. There we go. Awesome. <laughs> These guys came in third, fourth, and first at the March Malifaux Monthly Tournament held in Houston on 11 March. And we're going to be releasing our discussions with them as episodes 5A, 5B, and 5C. So we're going to go ahead and get this going. All right. So today we are talking to Carlo Decanini. Woo-hoo! Welcome to the show, Carlo. I'm excited to have you on. I'm excited to be here. Also, hey, you know, congratulations on your first place podium Thank at you. the largest monthly tournament we've ever had in Houston. Uh, yeah. Uh, the only thing I have to say is uh, turns out if I don't have to play any top table players, I can <laughs> win a tournament. <laughs> there You're we welcome. go. You know, <laughs> 19 players. No, I mean, I... Uh, the thing like differential matters so much and i love playing i love i love the competition in texas but every game i have to play against brian or rob or andre or jonathan or jordan or ryan or last time ryan and i played we tied it was like three to three or something (laughs) so like uh every every time i got to play somebody like that uh the game ends up being like a one point win either way and it's like you know this this is i got lucky i got lucky i didn't have to face any of them that's how it works out, man. That's why we flip the cards and why we play the games. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, uh, since it is your first time on the show, welcome, welcome. But for first-time guests, we like to ask, um, give us a quick background on your history with, you know, games and how you got into Malifaux. Okay. So, I've been miniature gaming for about 20-plus years. Started with Warhammer, switched to War Machine, was super competitive in War Machine, went to Gen Con forever. Let's go Circle Orboros, baby. Let's go. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, Ryan. Troll Bloods forever. Then after that, I played what I think is probably, next to Malifaux, the best miniature game ever made, which is Guild Ball. Um, and I used to go to, I used to go to Houston a lot and play and I was, uh, I was close to being like the top 10, uh, alchemist player in the country. So I'm competitive miniature gaming is no thing for me. And then I started playing Malifaux, uh, right at the start of third edition, I played guild first. Uh, you know, I'm Mexican as you know, and the Ortegas were definitely my jam at the time, but there was no madness. 
and Perdita 1 is not very good. <laughs> yeah, Perdita 2 is... Oh, Perdita 2. Yeah, that's another story for another day. But I started as a guild player, um, and I ended up feeling at the time, before Madness, remember, that guild's list building was a little limited. Um, and then uh, I, I found a deal at a store on Hamlin. So Hamlin was the first outcast master that I bought. Uh, and then I looked into the Outcast faction, and what I love about Outcast is you get a little of everything. You get some monsters, you get some undead people, you get some cowboys, you get some rats, you get a little of everything, and uh, and that's why I think that I drew myself to Outcast. Plus, you know, being so that I'm a rock musician or whatever, you know, punk boy, being an Outcast is in my nature. So I figured, like, I fit right in with the faction. There you go. That is awesome. <laughs> So, um, also, we love to do an icebreaker question, and I really like the icebreaker question we came up for this uh, session, because I've been thinking about it, and I'm like, man, I don't know. I'm glad I don't have to answer this question, because <laughs> I don't know the answer. But, who is your favorite master to play against, and why? Okay, I'm going to take the Andre route here. Uh, it's It's... I like going against the hardest thing because it's always a puzzle that I have to unravel. Um, and I don't know if any other Outcast player agrees with me. Those of you guys listening, let me know. But I feel like Neverborn as a faction is the worst matchup for Outcasts. Agreed. Uh, especially this master that I'm going to name, which is Pandora. Huh. Okay, so Pandora is probably my favorite master to play against because she's the one I have the hardest time with. So... If I play, for example, Leviticus, that's a bad idea. I'm stunned. I don't get any of my triggers. It's tough. Levy does way less damage. He reflects way less damage. Okay, so that doesn't work. If I'm playing Terra, well, I don't get to bury you with Glimpse the Void or anything because I'm stunned all over the board. You know what I mean? So Pandora has a really good kit to shut down most outcast masters. You know what I mean? And every time I'm playing against Pandora, it's how can I win this game? <laughs> and uh, from my experience, I even tried Von Schill too, which was like, hell yeah, I can't be stunned. That's a win, right? Well, yeah, but she turns all of your shielded into adversary. And then, mm. and then it becomes really, really hard, you know? Oh. So yeah, exactly. You see what I'm saying? You're oh. a Nevermore player. You know how that works. So my most, my highest success rate with uh, against Pandora is Parker 2. Because I get to use his lasso to throw people around and stagger them. And if Pandora's models like Candy and Teddy can't get to you, Neverborn's, in my opinion, as a faction, their biggest weakness is getting shot off the board. And Parker's crew has no problem doing that. If I can uh, control your big scary melee models and then shoot them off the board, I feel like that's my best chance. Plus, their biggest defenses are like um, manipulative and stuff like that, and with all the plus flips that are built into Parker's crew, I don't have an issue with that defensive tech. I hope that answers the question. It does. And also, yeah. like, when playing against Carlo, <laughs> yeah, bring Dora. Yeah, no, Dora, Dora is a, a nightmare for outcast it's players. It's interesting that you say that, because I agree with you on, as an outcast player, Neverborn is one of my hardest matchups, it, it's but so my hard. master that I have a difficulty with is Nikima, like one. I you, got, you, have, you have a lot of answers with that. Remember yeah. remember that you have Eric, and remember that if they can't fly, they have a lot of trouble. I mean, I'm sure 
it's not like an automatic win, but that's one yeah. of my tech pieces. If if hmm. if they if they declare Nakima, forcing them to not be able to use flight because flight is a place and you can't place within Eric, you know. So forcing them to not use flight is is tough. Hmm. Yeah, Eric Wayfaceable on the board. He needs to die. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's normally a big target in any game he's in. <laughs> and also think. Eric, what? That 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 is the uh, the uh, strong arm suit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's also got some cool tech against Nakima. He can throw instead of throwing the plus one damage, he throws the plus one damage when you hit him. Oh yeah, that's a yeah yeah. <laughs> Damn! Ow! Yeah, it's not range dependent like uh, Black Blood and is. And then they post Black Blood, right? Yeah. And then you're like, okay, I'll pitch a card and gain focus. <laughs> yeah, he's so, a uh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's just fun Eric things. But yeah, so which round are we talking about today? Uh, so I just realized after being here this whole time that all three of us are talking about round two, <laughs> Carve a Path. Round three, which, yeah, yeah. Round three, round, sorry, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Carve a Path, which honestly I have to say in GG3 is my favorite strategy to play. I love Carve a Path. I hate it. It's okay. That's <laughs> okay. I, love I it. think it's my favorite. It's my favorite strategy to play. You know, the fact that it removes all markers is really cool. You know, it saves you a lot of AP and it's such a simple thing to do. Hey, take this marker and move it. You know, like if you can do that, you can score points. I love that. Just like in, in GG2, symbols was my favorite one for the same reason. It's the simplest one. Hey, pick up this thing. You score a point. Yay. Kick yeah. the thing. Score Kick a the point. thing. Score a point. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I'm doing round three, which is Carve a Path, and uh, I believe the pool was uh, Breakthrough, Assassinate, Catch and Release, Spread Them Out, and Secret Meetup, and it was Standard Deployment. Okay, and so you were playing Leviticus? Leviticus 1, yes. Leviticus 1, okay, versus? Uh, Jordan's uh, Crossroad 7, Envy as leader. Crossroad 7, that's always an interesting one. By the way, props to Jordan for making it to top table with Crossroad 7. I know that that is not an easy task, and he certainly murdered it. <laughs> All three rounds with, with Crossroad 7. Dude, that is a uh, rarity. The mad lad. Mad lad. Just... Mad lad. <laughs> so just kind of the overall view on the game. You know, the big, you know, 100 yards out, taking a look at the game. What were really the biggest lessons and themes that you took away from this game? So the long and short of it is that crossroads are very squishy models if they cannot use stones, right? So their their biggest defensive tech is manipulative and terrifying only on Wrath, right? He's the only one that has terrifying. Yeah, so their biggest defensive tech is manipulative and soul stone usage, right? And of course, all of their lovely bubbles that synergistically make you have a bad time, <laughs> you yeah. know? Uh, yes. Uh, so um, my thought process behind it was, you know, Levy says you can't use soul stones. Alice has execute. So Alice makes you use the soul stone or else you die. So if I can get rid of all of your soul stones, then I have the upper hand in this game. But uh, I always second guess using Levy when assassinate is in the pool because I'm basically guaranteeing my opponent a point. Because Levy needs to hurt himself to be good. So I have ways that I can heal Levy, like with my scavengers, you know, by pitching a ram and building in that uh, heal to 
but that would require me leaving the scavenger last. And if I'm a tools for the job snob, I if I see a good card, I'm gonna pick it up. Don't care. That's when the scavenger activates is when the good card is on top. I love tools for the job for that reason. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. So I don't want to save my scavenger for last just to deny you one point, you know? Uh, but that's that's always like the the thing is like you want to bring Levy into assassinate because he's probably uh, arguably the best model at killing things in the game. You know, there are other models that can kill things very well, you know, but Levy, in my opinion, is probably the one that can do it the most effectively. Um, so you want to bring him in assassinate because if you wanted to kill something with Levy, you totally could. But you also don't want to bring him because you need to hurt yourself to do that. And at having 10 hit points and having to hurt yourself for two or mm, one, yeah. depending if you bring Marlena, which I did. Every time you want to be effective, you're going to go down to five points at the end of the turn. High risk, high reward. Correct. So that brings me to my next point. I did choose assassinate. <laughs> and then uh, out of the other ones. So, I mean, I guess I should talk about my list first because I really like this list. Okay, um, yeah. Go over your list. So it's Levy and the Waves, Marlena and Alice. Uh, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. Two scavengers and two necapunks. And I think it's what's six or seven stones. I can't remember. Seven stones. What you got? Seven here. stones. Yeah. Also Levy and the waifs. Great name for a band. Right. Um, I also have two upgrades, you know, servant of dark powers, which is basically stapled to Levy's card. He gets a free six inch walk and it allows him to heal for more than he normally does with melee or heal in general when he kills something with his nasty gun. And the other one that I have is Wanted Criminal on Alice, uh, because I'll die on this hill. Uh, Levy's keyword is probably the second most nerfed keyword in the game next to Jan Lowe's. I think mostly every model in Levy's keyword has been touched. Hey, so some things didn't change from second edition, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Scavengers were nerfed. Uh, well, la- laterally graded. You know, any a lot of things were nerfed in Levy's keyword. Wanted, well... We'll have to check out. This may be a future Doug thing, but it is sure feeling like Ophelia has gotten like that kind of treatment. And, uh, feel- and I, I haven't been playing all of third edition, so I don't know, but certainly recently, my God. Yeah, no, she's... Well, the thing about Ophelia that's getting her nerfed, in my opinion, is that her models are being brought out of keyword too much. Absolutely true. Or they were, but yeah. What's the sniper's name? What's the sniper's name? Uh, Remy? Remy, yeah. Remy, yeah, yeah. Remy, Remy was basically stapled to every bioclue. Yeah, well, and Francois particularly was. So yeah, it's, uh... Francois and Remy were the two that got nerfed in the keyword. And it wasn't because they were too strong in the keyword. It's because they were too strong out of the keyword. Yeah, and I can certainly see that. I can definitely see that being a strong argument that if you see, hey, this model's always being brought in keyword. Okay, that might be the core of that keyword. But if you see a model that is being brought out of keyword constantly, that might need to be taken a look at. Yeah, and that's the that's the thing with Bayou that I've seen is mostly the models that get touched in Bayou are models that are being used out of keyword, like the Bocur and like Francois, like Rami, like stuff like that. Yeah, obviously Levy wasn't uh, rusty. No. maybe sometimes, but not often. You know, Marlena never probably. You know, so no, yeah, no, R- Rusty, yeah. Rusty got got the only thing that they changed on her was they changed her movement from six to four. Okay, 
which is a big deal because if you engage her, she's there for the gun. She's there for having that sweet, sweet gun and then situationally the the pit trap. Um, but uh, if you engage her, she's not having fun. So that's why I like giving her wanted criminal and I kind of park her next to uh, impassable terrain so that if you engage her when she activates, she gets that two-inch push and can disengage without using the action. Makes sense. Yeah, got this. A three, four, five gun. Oof. Oh yeah, yeah that with, with execute. Don't forget execute. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, that was fun too. <laughs> that she can stone for. That's yeah, great. exactly. So, uh, so I like if I'm bringing more than one what I call name characters, right? So henchmen, masters, enforcers. Then I bring Marlena with Levy because you get a lot of use of her. I take one damage for non minions thing, right? Also, Levy being able to focus every time for taking one health instead of two health damage is awesome. So <laughs> um, that's why I bring Marlena. And I only bring Marlena if I have Levy and another non-minion model. But my whole thing with this, with this list is that every model that's not Levy or Alice can draw you cards. So the scavengers get tools for the job. So that's like card cycling, but they also have the surge trigger built into that. So if you pitch a shitty, sorry, if you pitch a bad tome card. You can say uh, shitty. (laughs) You know, if you pitch a shitty tome card, you can replace it with another card from, from the discard. And then when you flip for it, you can draw another card, right? So both scavengers will draw you a card. Necropunks will draw you a card when they tie or when they uh, match suits on an attack. And then Marlena will draw you a card when she heals herself. Because she has Surge built into that. So uh, that's basically the thing about this crew is, hey, I'm going to use all of my models to give Levy and Alice the cards that they need to do stuff. That's the design of this crew. That makes sense. To ask on the, the Soulstone pool, do you, in Seven Stones, do you use that mostly just for damage prevention or for positive flips? Or what do you use those stones for in general? Okay, so I don't need them for positive flips in this crew because the scavengers basically guarantee me a focus every activation. But I do use them for stones. Like Doug said, I use them for stone for execute, to stone for necrotic decay from Levy, right? Because necrotic decay is the big scary one, right? If Levy punches you with melee and stones for a crow, you're taking min four. Got it. Got it. So making sure you've got the suits. It's yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. And since and since he's focused, right, which means I'm probably going to get to cheat the damage flip. You're taking six damage. Irreducible. So dumb. Yes. Yeah. So dumb when you brought armor to this fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's that's basically Levy shtick, right? If he if he hits you in melee, you're going to have a bad time. If he shoots you, you're going to have an uncomfortable time, but it's not as bad as his melee attack. Because min 2 is better than min 4. Yeah, as a general rule, yeah. I have not played against Levy in a while. I'm like, oh yeah, the bad touch. Oh, the bad yeah, touch. Yeah, the death touch. Yeah. He's now not only the only master that has it, Jedza 2 has the same attack and can do it from way further away. Cool, so explorers get even cooler. Well, it's just <laughs> Jedza. Jedza is like, quote-unquote, their killy master, you know? But yeah, so that that should kind of tell you why I built the list that I built, you know. Uh, also, Necropunks make great can kickers, you know. Kick, leap, kick. Yeah, well, even though that the leap isn't built in anymore, Nothing, yeah. uh, you can manipulate that a little bit with the cards that you cycle with the uh, uh, Necropunks and other things, right? And if they don't kick twice, that's fine. You can just move and set up for next turn and hopefully you'll get the leap next turn, right? 
So, um, before the tournament, uh-huh. what was your game plan for this round? So, if I'm being super, super, as they call it, try hard, sweaty, whatever you want to call it, I normally normally pick my master based on what opponent I'm playing against. Because I play a lot of games, and mm-hmm. I want to bring the one that I know gives any master in the faction that I'm playing against the hardest time, you know? And since I was playing not a faction... <laughs> In this case, you know, and I knew it because that was all he had, right? Which is an advantage. And I know I'm sorry, Jordan. Well, you're, really you're, sorry. You're playing the meta. Take the advantages that you've got. That's Correct. totally allowable. You, you know, hey, this guy is notorious for playing this thing. Yeah. Go for it because that can also backfire on you. Of course. Um, and I wanted to touch on this. And uh, I think this is really cool in this episode particularly because you got three players with very distinct play styles right you got andre uh who i mean he's a phenomenal player i would i don't know it's hard to not say that he's the best in texas but you know i don't know if he'll admit that because he's such a cool dude also fun to play against oh yeah very much so his whole shtick is pick one crew and just play that one crew until you're super good with that one crew Right. And then you got Ryan, which is like, I'm going to play my game and have fun doing it and deal with it. Right. And then you got someone like me. So instead of playing one crew, what I decided on is I want to play one faction. Okay. So if I know everything there is to know about my faction, right, I can know what tools to bring for what jobs. And I feel like that is a massive, massive thing that you have to do in Malifaux. At the beginning of the game, before the opponent, right? After you see the pool, you have to know what models you're going to bring to solve what problems and do what jobs. And I feel like that is the most important thing that you need to look at when making a crew, right? Is how am I going to score points? What models are going to score me those points? And what's my game plan, right? So in my playstyle i like knowing everything there is to know about my faction right so that if for example oh i'm playing against a crew that just puts out conditions and that's how they win the game well then i might tech in someone like johan who has rebel yell and can remove conditions right yeah yeah or if i'm playing against somebody that like for example against dreamer or somebody like uh jackdaw where they depend on terrifying as a defensive tech. Well, I might tech in Taylor because she's ruthless and has two inch melee and likes beating people up with her giant hammer, you know? So like I said, I I like knowing what tools to bring for what jobs. Right. And so that's my whole shtick is I don't have one master that I'm good at. I, I play every master in outcasts with the exception of zip. I haven't gotten enough reps on zip to be good, but even so seven out of eight masters is, is a lot. And I've played at least 50 games with all of my masters. You said you pick your master based on what their faction is. Yes. Okay. What master do you pick against each faction? Okay, sure. You said you've got your your plan Uh per faction. And I haven't heard someone say that before. Yeah, that's super interesting. Okay, so I I actually I actually I mean, sorry Ryan, you're gonna hate me for this. I know, right? <laughs> but I made a spreadsheet on how many wins and losses I had with certain masters against certain factions. Okay? And I started tallying as to why. Okay. Uh so for example, if I'm playing a faction like Explorers, right? 
So explorers as a faction, their biggest weakness is they have low willpower stats. So I want to bring a master that attacks the willpower stat like nothing else. Somebody like Jackdaw, who not only attacks willpower, but also attacks movement that doesn't attack all of their defense six, defense seven models. Uh, or someone like Tara, who also attacks willpower with most of their things, right? So if I'm playing against explorers, I know I'm picking Jackdaw or Tara. And so I look at the scheme pool and I see which one would be better for either of that. If I'm playing against 10 Thunders, Von Schill is a, is a master that really, 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 really has a good time against 10 Thunders. For example, if they're playing Mei Fang, well, I have engineers that ignore armor. I have Eric that ignores armor. Eric also prevents their placement from their ride the rails to a certain extent. You know, so you have that kind of tech, right? And uh, 10 Thunders, from my experience, I mean, I know there's some 10 Thunders players who are going to call me a liar or whatever, but from my experience, I have a tough time dealing with a high armor and shielded. So I bring, unless they're running like Thunder Archers and Yamaziko, which if that's the case, I just run something that can engage those models and then they have to spend time disengaging before they can do their armor piercing shenanigans, right? So Von Schill would be my pick into 10 Thunders. Uh, into Arcanists, nine times out of 10, it's going to be Levy because Arcanists have a lot of armor and a lot of they can put soulstone cash on models that stop them from dying and you know they have a lot of like damage reduction and levy is the king of saying oh you have damage reduction that's cute bye-bye you know <laughs> <laughs> so that was that yeah. exactly uh against bayou it's tough because i have a couple of uh, my thing is with bayou i like shooting them better than they can shoot me so uh, it's going to be something like Parker. It's going to be something like Levy. It's going to be something like Von Schill against Bayou. Uh, but that one's just scheme pool dependent. Um, against Neverborn, as I mentioned before, I have a hard time picking a master. Uh, so Neverborn, I think, is the hard time. Uh, what am I missing? Guild. Guild's Guild is also a lot of the times um, Levy or Von Schill. Uh, sometimes Jackdaw is the answer, but they do have a lot of really good ruthless models in guild. So if like I declare Jackda and they declare Lady J, I try to not rely on terrifying. So maybe I won't bring hanged. Maybe I'll bring drowned and guilty and stuff like that, that don't depend on their terrifying to survive. So I hope I covered that. Oh, Rezzers. You didn't answer. Rezzers. Rezzers. Oh, Rezzers. Oh, Levy. hundred percent. Ask Brian. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, Levy Levy counters a lot of Rezzers tech. Uh, Levy has irreducible damage. Okay, Levy prevents you from healing, which oh, yeah. it, which is like something that's really important. Alice ignores hard to wound on her gun. So does Marlena. And those high mins. It's like you got yeah. hard to wound. Cool. I got min three, min four. Who gives a shit? If I'm not playing Levy into Rezzers, I will tech Alice for that reason. I will bring Alice in because she's got she's got that gun that's min three that ignores hard to wound. And she can shoot three times if the stars align. Yeah. So that's basically like my thing. Uh I like playing the Vix too. Not like not not the Vix as well. Not the Vix too, right? Uh I go. love the Vix. I love the Vix and I have a certain way that they work, but I don't think that they are as good as some of the other masters currently but they are the most fun for me i love playing the vix one i love it when that when that crew clicks it's like 
you're just like, oh, I just did something awesome. You know what I mean? Like when you're like, okay, so I like running the VIX too. I know I don't want to go too much on a tangent. Oh, no, no. This is a informative tangent okay. on why you're making the selections you did. And it's okay. like, oh, I'm, I'm literally, I'm over here taking like, Okay, so explore society, low willpower. Okay, take this yeah. again. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm, I'm taking notes on this stuff. So you want to think about that. You want to, I mean, I know that you don't want to, but I, I like thinking about that. I like thinking about that. Like, for example, the first time I brought Ron Schill against Explorers, I couldn't hit anything because their defense is so high. I was having to spend all of my cards to just hit them. And Von Schill likes having cards. So I started bringing, when I started seeing like, oh, what's your willpower stat? Oh, wow, it's a four. Oh, well, what if I brought models that had six stat against four willpower? Then I'd have to cheat way less. It's crazy how much of a difference having that advantage of stat versus them. Ultimately, uh, statistically, it's going to bear out. And comparing your you know, preferred stat for a crew to your opponent's, their strong stats, if you have that matchup where you're like, I- I'm across the board targeting your weak stats, statistically, you're going to be succeeding a whole lot more often. Yeah. And if you don't have to cheat, you're already winning because you got, okay. And if you don't have a card cycling crew or a card drawing crew, which I mean, most of the quote unquote S tier masters have some sort of card drawing in the game right now, you have six, sometimes seven cards that you can either prevent a really big attack from happening or force an attack to happen. So you have six of those a turn. If you can't draw cards, you know what I mean? And you got to make them count and you got to pick which ones are the most important. Like Ryan was saying, is me cheating this 13 going to stop you from scoring a point? Yes, I'm going to use that 13. Or I'm going to, oh, you, you, if I, if I start to smell that you have Vendetta on one of my models, I'll keep that 13 rather than killing your model just to stop you from scoring Vendetta. You know what I mean? I think that's one of the important lessons for a new player to learn is those times where it's like, look, it feels great to hold on to the red joker for that, oh, I'm putting the big damage on you. But using that red joker on the, you know what? I need, You need to hit this. I'm going to make you miss. Oh, you're trying to lure my master right into the middle of your crew? Red joker. Now you can't do it. You know what I mean? No one wanted to use that. That's a, that, you know, Using that red joker on the attack feels uh-huh. great. Using yeah. it on the defense, I think that's one of the key things that, you no. know, hey, this is a time I'm going to prevent them from scoring points or I'm going to do this because I need it to score the points. Now, when you can get the best of both worlds mm-hmm. in a tools for a job crew, oh, you cheated for yeah. damage <laughs> and then draw it right back. This is their last, uh, this is their last AP, right? Uh, yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. I'm getting that back. <laughs> I'll take uh, my Joker back. Thank uh, you. <laughs> yeah. uh, I wanted to piggyback on that red Joker thing about people who hoard it. It's like ultimately, the real reason you have a red Joker is to succeed at something. Yes. Whether it's defense or offense, don't pigeonhole your thought process into this is all for damage. It's like if it denied a crucial attack, it's just as good as packing on damage. The key is using it. You got to use the thing. <laughs> well, I mean, and I would rather it's like, oh, well, you know, I could hold it for next turn. If you use it, 
it gets it back into your deck. I'm okay with the, you know, sit on the black, get that red, milling through your deck as much as you can. That's probably a, a really good piece of advice for a new player is a lot of new players I see will discard the black at the end of a round. No. And I think that that's a terrible idea. I feel like if you have the black joker in your hand, you should keep it until as turn four, turn five, turn five <laughs> because the fact that you are not going to see the black joker ever in a turn is way more valuable than being like, oh, I need an extra card. Mm -hmm. It's the power of having knowledge then, too. You're like, hey, I have the Black Joker in my hand. I know that nothing, nothing is, is gonna guaranteed go to fail. Yeah. That's a huge advantage of knowledge right there. And just balancing that against, you know, you're kind of giving your opponent Arcane Reservoir. By, you know, you're holding yourself at essentially five cards. You know, so you're kind of giving them a plus one, but that that's, but that that's worth it. It's um, worth it. 100%. Yeah. Always worth it. If you never see the black Joker in the game, you're going to be a happy person. I'd be willing to get only uh, five cards in control hand if I could get rid of it. <laughs> oh, there we go. Our black Joker music. Have you been harmed by the black Joker? The student of conflicts are here to help. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> the only time you want to see the Black Joker is if you're playing with Hanged. Or, or, if you're never born and you flip it with your uh, model that's got ancient well, the Ancient Pact. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, Ancient Pact. That's what it's called. Because it's like, oh, hey, here we go. And you reflip it. And yep. people are like, wait, wait, wait. You reflip that? Yep. yep. But yeah, that's, uh, that's my two cents on how I uh, approach beginnings of games. And I know now that uh, <laughs> I know now that everybody who plays me knows <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> but now you can change it up too, you know? Hey man, we won't remember. <laughs> but you've got your spreadsheet and you'll be able to keep tracking it. So now, you know, mark this day from this day onward, everyone because everyone listens to it, of course. Of, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah. The cool thing is, is at when I first started playing the game, I haven't been playing for that long. I've been playing for since the beginning of Third Ed. What's that, like two years now? 2019. Was it that long ago? It was um, like November or something. Well, right? I didn't start playing until like probably like 2020. Like right at the beginning of January 2020 was when I started playing the game. Oh, it's a great time to start. Oh, no. I know, right? Yeah, I know. Well, I played a lot of Vassal in those years. Oh, fair, fair <laughs> enough. But uh, 2021, uh, I made it a goal to play one game a week. Because basically when I started playing the game, I picked three masters. And I played those three masters over and over again. And then I just started playing every master until I knew how to play all of the masters. And then I showed you guys at the tournament, I've got this uh, app called Decide Now. That is like a little spin wheel. And when I'm playing my friendly games on on during the week, I don't pick my master. I, I flip that wheel and whatever master comes out is the one I play. Well, it sounds like fun. It is fun. Uh, and so I purposefully, now I'm purposefully putting myself in bad matchups and like something that in my head, I'm like, I'm like, oh, well, this is going to be like, for example, Hamlin is terrible in a curse objects pool because all of his models die really, really easily. <laughs> You know, so you would rather bring somebody like Von Schiller Levy who have armor and damage mitigation and healing to stop your opponent from killing your models, right? Well, I decided to bring Hamlin in it anyway, and then I brought Barbaros. So being like, hey, 
all of my models die really easy, but you can't target them. You have to hit this guy. <laughs> that, that works. You know? So anyway, I got really sidebarred and I'm sorry about that. Oh, that, that's okay. It was useful. Useful sidebar, useful uh, way to approach the game and think about how you're approaching the game. I think that's a unique perspective you're bringing to it there. Yeah. I, and I think that if you're, you know, if you're tryharding or trying to win the game, uh, preparing for what's coming in like whatever sense of that is already putting you on a foot forward, right? Uh, it's always hard when you're doing a mirror match, though. It's always the hard one. I didn't mention what my pick is into Outcasts, right? Oh, yeah. What is your pick into Outcasts? It's tough. At least one Levy. <laughs> well, I mean, Levy, Levy's... I have the most reps on Levy. It's also a pretty good uh, series of matchups. You know, like, it's not too many bad, bad ones. Levy's really good at clicking a model and making it disappear. Because it is, it, it can look at the cards before it flips it once a turn, and it says no to anything you want to do. And it will always have focus. So it's really, really good at saying, oh, this model? Okay, yeah, this is the one I'm going to kill this turn with Levy. Not a lot of masters have that option. You know what I mean? So it's it's really good in a lot of scenarios to, like, choose a model that hasn't activated and then kill it. And now you're up and you have activation control, you know? So that's why I, I like Levy, but Levy has got some huge counterplay. Also, if you want me to talk about that, I can. Who in Outcasts would counter Levy? Yeah. Just ask me for a friend. <laughs> okay. So I'll put it to you this way. If you had played Terra and managed to bury Levy, yep. it's tough because he's willpower seven. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you can bury Levy, you can kill Levy. Yeah. Because he can't wave, right? He can. Oh, he can? Okay. He can. He can still wave. Just because he's off the board doesn't mean he doesn't get his demise ability. Right? But 33 has a demise ignoring gun. Anything that can prevent you from healing, anything that can prevent you from placing, right? So I remember playing a game against Rasputina 2, for example. I forget how it's worded, but what is that thing that she does that ties you to a pillar or says cannot be placed or something like that? Oh, let me grab that real fast. Like, that was a big gotcha moment for me, and it lost me that game. It's something that like a lot stops you from being placed, like it ties you to a pillar. Yeah, she freezes. Next she sticks your tongue to the flagpole, is the way I describe it. Yes, but what is that? Um, she does the northern way. So create a height four. She's got the creeping ice trigger. Create a height four block, indestructible, impassable uh, ice pillar marker, base contact with the target. While in base contact with the created marker, the target cannot be moved or buried. There you go. So if you do that with Rasputina 2 after Levy's activated and you shoot him to death, he just dies because he cannot be moved. Therefore, he cannot be moved to a waif and respawn. Okay, so that's one. Uh, anything that has Lantern of Souls, Manos, Lohith, Charm Warder, anything that ignores Demise abilities, stuff like Execute, stuff like, well, Execute's a tough one because it still gives me the option to pitch a card or a stone to keep Levy alive, right? But if they bled you dry. Correct. Or, and it still stops me from getting a stone or and stops me from using a card. So it's also just a good thing in general. Um, anything like that, anything that stops healing, anything that prevents placing. And a lot of people don't do this. I know it's hard because a good Levy player will hide those waves until the time is right, right? But if you kill the waves, he can't respawn. 
And their defense four, willpower four. They're not the hardest things to kill. Yeah, you know, for, I mean, I could see using Shodimer, keeping Shodimer near uh, one of the ways and kill the other one. Correct. That's what I was going to tell you, Ryan. If you're playing Von Schill, instead of coming into me like you did, if you would focused putting Eric on one of my waifs and killing the other one with any range, Lazarus, for example, mm-hmm. you would have had a better time. I still think it was, because uh, I knew that, but the way that your waifs were in a wedge deployment and opposite yeah, corner, I Yeah, I, totally, like, I, nice. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. <laughs> hey, I know it's hard, but it's your best shot. Yeah. No, I knew that Terra was the right one, but I didn't know you were bringing Levy. So. That's, a, that's a thing. So if you bury yeah. Levy, he can still place. But if you bury yeah. the waifs, he can't place. Mm-hmm. Because they're not on the map. So I can't replace myself off the map. And if they're dead, you can't place anyways. Correct. Yeah. The other thing about Terra is she can hit that back line. Enough talk about Levy. Um, I know I've, I've played him quite a bit, and I have the most success with him because he's got a pretty straightforward playstyle. Choose a model, kill that model. That's how you win the game with Levy. I think we've done the uh, the uh, before the game analysis pretty well there. We've uh, analyzed a lot of before the game. So during the game. What were some, you know, interesting lines of play and key decision points during this game? Okay, so my strategy against Jordan's list was stay out of his bubbles. (laughs) So much bubbles. Okay, so if I can keep my models out of his bubbles, I'm winning the game, in my opinion, right? Especially because Levy's gun still does irreducible damage. And Alice's gun does min three, right? And I I basically executed that so that where what I made him do is move his models models closer to Levy. So he had wrath and greed, I believe. Which greed making me not being able to use soul stones is gross. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But but he didn't. I think Jordan didn't account for this, uh, which I'm sure he learned from by playing the game. Is wrath is on a big base. He's on a 40 mil, right? So he had greed and wrath and base to base, right? So I was able to hide Levy from greed by placing him on the other side of wrath. And I could still use my soul stones because she didn't have line of sight to me to stop me. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 that makes sense. And so if he had left greed a little bit further behind, I would have had a little bit of a harder time with that particular interaction. But he really did well in like, uh, I got lucky too. And sometimes when you get lucky, you get lucky. I got lucky because every time Levy activated and I got to see the cards, I had a 13. So, <laughs> and if you have a 13, I don't need to cheat. So pride is not doing anything, right? And that's the cool part about Levy. You don't know how many times I've seen a red joker in the three cards I get to look at. And so I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, I'm going to focus. I'm going to flip a one. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, I'm going to cheat in a 13 and I'm, uh, I'm stoning for necrotic decay. Cool. Uh, let me flip this negative flip. Oh, sorry. Here's a red joker. Took seven <laughs> damage. Have a nice day. Irreducible <laughs> damage. Yeah. You know, Sweet. there's a, there's been a lot of times where that's happened to me. And when it does, I try not to go like a, like a little schoolgirl and go, you know what I mean? You know, I try not to do that, you know? That's the good sportsmanship thing. Yeah, yeah. You're for the sportsmanship award by not doing the dance on the table. One of one of the few times I've killed a peacekeeper was with one of those. 
was nice. we're like, okay, I'm going to Sanguine Invocations, look at the cards. Oh, cool, I have a 13 and a Red Joker here, cool. Here you go, bop, bop, cool, take seven damage. That's like more than half your health. The other end of that is, uh, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, so that was my game plan, was to stay away from him as long as I could and force him to move his models closer to me, which he did. And uh, he was able to control, it was funny actually, because I, I had Levy within six inches of Wrath and I was like, I'm going to shoot Wrath. And he's like, okay, I'll spend a Sin token and now you're going to shoot your own scavenger. <laughs> and I was like, oh no. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And so uh, I ended up, but that was the thing is not only did I do that, but I also um, flipped some crows with Alice, right? So if I flip a crow with Alice, it's getting executed. So now you got to pitch a stone to keep the model alive. And he had 10 stones to start and he had two soul stone miners, right? So when I shot him and I hit execute, he had to pitch a stone to keep the model alive and he had to pitch a stone to put me on a negative. And then he would also have to pitch a stone to, to stone for damage reduction, right? So if every time I'm shooting with Alice, you're pitching three stones, you're eventually going to run out of stones. That should be illegal. You know what that I mean? A lot of stones. You know, and Alice was, so that's what I was doing with my scavengers is I was giving Alice and Levy focus basically as much as I could, right? Because if Alice can, if Alice can start her activation with two focus, that's disgusting. She'll be like, okay, I'm going to shoot you with focus. Bop. All right, cool. Take, you know, up to six damage, up to five damage, right? Then I'm going to shoot you again. Boom. Oh, cool. Now I'm going to pitch this one and I'm going to shoot you a third time with no focus and see what happens. You know what I mean? Uh, And that's why you need to engage Alice, you know? Alice is still very, very good despite being nerfed. She's also one of my favorite targets to put Vendetta on because I'll basically do one or two attacks with Levy, right? And then I'll just shoot that model with Alice, leave it at one health, and be like, okay, cool, I have Vendetta. Don't shoot me. Oh, yeah. Yep. Don't shoot me with any model because you're going to die. You know? Yep. So that was basically my game plan. It ended up being that he moved Greed, Pride, and Wrath up to like the middle of the board and then levy went in there and i was like all right i'm gonna hit wrath and then he's like well no you're gonna hit pride i was like well damn okay well i hit pride and then i think i hit red joker on damage on that one and turned him into an abomination (laughs) so i'm not gonna lie i think that was the best flipping game for me for the the whole tourney I did have some bad luck on the end of the game, but it was irrelevant. I remember trying to kill Levy with my Necropunk so that I could place him closer to uh, another Waif at a different point in the board, and he Black Jokered the damage. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to kill your own guy. You're like, dang, Necropunks. Well, he was trying to hide Envy from me because he suspected that I had Assassinate, and I did. So uh, since he was trying to hide him from me, I was moving my waves to give Levy line of sight to Envy. And so I tried to kill Levy so that Levy could teleport to one of my waves and then get one shot or two shots off on, on Envy and get that first point of assassinate and then just finish him off at the end of the game. That's a solid way to uh, expand Levy's uh, influence. I also learned this, uh, and I hope we played this correctly because I asked several people um, and Levy, if he uses his draw essence ability, can kill himself because it doesn't have a cost. Let me double check. It doesn't say this model suffers one damage. It says the italics is not a cost. I asked Andre, I asked like two other people, and they said it was possible. 
So where where is that on this card there? Draw essence. It's a tactical action. Oh, the essence transfer. Essence transfer, not draw. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That he can. Mm Mhm. So I ended up doing that after the necropunk failed to kill him. Oh, so so he nuked himself. Yeah. To get over it. So you basically the the ability reads that he targets two models in a range and. One model will heal an amount, and one model will suffer that same amount. Up to, I think it's up to four damage, is what it is. Up to four, up to four irreducible. Yeah, I'm familiar yeah. with that one because uh, in Castor's crew, uh, Gwill has that. I and see. That, one, that one's been fun. So yeah, so I did it at there. At there, when I black jokered the damage flip, I was like, "Cool, well, I'll activate Leviticus. Uh, I'm gonna hurt Marlena. I'm gonna hurt Levy for one, and because he was at one health, I'm gonna hurt Levy for one, and I'm gonna heal Marlena for one, and then Levy's gonna teleport over here. And the cool part about it was that Levy had slow, and when Levy kills, when Levy dies, he loses all his conditions. So he lost, he lost slow, teleported across the map, moved once, and shot Envy, and that brought him below half health, and that got me my first point of assassinate on turn four. That's some crafty bullshit right there. I like it. It is. I love it. <laughs> it is. Uh, which was, I didn't know you could do that. So now that I know you could do that, I got to add that to my levy game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm sorry to Jordan. Um, he was like, this is going to be a hard game. And I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. You know, but I actually considered bringing Taylor instead of Alice. Uh, reasoning behind that is Taylor has a stat seven ruthless min three with a ram trigger that says you can't use soul stones so if i'm ignoring your manipulative and you're terrifying with that model with two inch reach and is doing min three and i can stop you from doing soul stones that's also a good pick so i had to choose there between taylor and alice and i ended up choosing alice and i think it was cool it was a good choice because yeah, taylor cool. would have had to taylor would have had to get in the bubble to do her shtick, and if she's in the bubble, she's not having a good time. <laughs> it's, it's the bubble of pain. Yes. Uh, hopefully that answers why I played the thing. And of course, this game is uh, on stream. But yeah, so that was basically my game plan. My game plan was to have the two Necropunks. So I basically deployed uh, a Necropunk and a Scavenger and a Waif on each of the sides, and then I kept Levy, Alice, and um, uh, Marlena in the middle. So Marlena was kind of the damage sponge for Levy and Alice. And then the rest of the crew was there either to kick the can or get cards for Levy and Alice to use. So it's like a very well-oiled machine when it works correctly. And it did. You know, the I had catch and release was my other scheme on a Necropunk. And I did it right there, right at the end of turn four. I leapt the Necropunk into base contact with uh, Envy. And then, uh, you know, that was that. Who would you say was your MVP model of the game? And why? I would say it has to be Leviticus in that game. Levy or Alice, one or the other. Alice got rid of all his stones, and you know Levy was the one that was able to kill all of his models. Because I did, I did kill one of his models a turn with Levy. I would have to say that that's that's probably that. Or the Necropunk that had catch and release because he was a great can kicker and he scored me two points as well. <laughs> so that Necropunk scored me four points. So you could technically say it's that Necropunk as well. Well, I mean, if you look at it, that's scoring half of your points right there. One Absolutely. dude scoring half your points. That's some bang for your buck on that one. Yeah, for six points. Can't beat it. Or five. Actually, they're five, aren't they? I think Necropunks are five. I think so. But what do I know? I don't, I don't read cards. If only <laughs> I had access to all of the information at the you know, touch of my fingertip right here. 
Get out your Rolodex. Look up the Necropunk. It's five. Yeah, yeah, it's great. He almost scored you a point per soul stone. Yeah, he's probably in the top five best five point mullows in the game. I have to say, they're really hard to kill. They draw you cards. They're great scheme runners, and they're not bad in melee either because they have puncture and onslaught. And they got leap. Yeah. So armor one hard to wound is just tough. Ugh. Yeah. And I mean, and removing that suit for because they used to have the suit baked in, right? Yeah, I know in second yeah. they did. I didn't know about this one. You know what? You can't have a five cost model that can do all of the things. No, I agree, and I'm <laughs> fine with it. I'm fine with it, but nah, I weaklings. I'll die. I'll die on this hill as well. That is a nerf to Levy and not Von Schill because Von Schill basically draws a card every activation. So if they want to make that leap succeed, they can. Sorry, Von Stuck, not Von Schill. Yeah. But it's got to be the right suits. So are scavengers kind of a cost that you just bring in in order to make the, you know, it's like a tax on necropunks? Okay, scavengers, in my opinion, are the best minion in the entire outcast faction. Okay. They're six stones. They're tough to bring down because they have armor. They give a model focus, heal it, draw you a card, have tools for the job. And they're great at running schemes. And their gun is not terrible. It's an eight inch with a mod blast. So I think for bang for your buck, that is the best one. So you know how everybody says that guild lawyers are the guild versatile seven point minion because, you know, they bring them in every list, basically. Yeah. You know, I would say that scavengers are the best versatile seven point minion in Outcast. Okay. I try not to play out of keyword too much, but if I play out of keyword, the first thing I look to is a scavenger. I got to read that card. Yeah, Bubba. You gotta you gotta play you gotta play with scavengers. They're really, really good, man. Yeah. Uh, awesome. I just kinda wanted to ask on the had you ever faced um this crew before, you know, a crossroads seven crew or you know, how much about them did you know going into it? Was it just like uh bubble bubble bad, you know? Or did you, you know? Okay. So I own Pride. Okay. Well yeah. And I've played against Pride several times because I've played against Ryan several times. <laughs> yeah. What? So I'm familiar with Pride. Uh, I also own Greed because I used to be a guild player. Okay. So I'm very familiar with both of them. Oh, and Envy too, because one of my buddies uh, used to play a Rasputina list that included Envy. But that Wrath. <laughs> I've never seen Lust or Gluttony on the board, ever. I, I, I bring gluttony. I will bring gluttony every now and then. But yeah, we haven't we haven't played except for once, but yeah. I don't know I don't know what any of those models do. But I knew I knew what those two slash three models kind of did. I didn't know them by heart, but I kind of knew that Envy had a really good gun. I knew that Pride messes with your cheating, and I knew that Greed messes with your soulstone use. Okay. So I knew all three of those things. Uh, I didn't know how Wrath worked, and I found that out this game. Uh, yeah. And I knew that the general understanding was that they have a massive bubble of death that you don't want to be in. Similar to Tony Ironsides. You know, if you're if you're in Tony's bubble, you're not having a good time. You are yeah. not having a good time, man. So that was basically my thing. was like, oh, they got all these six-inch bubbles that are awful that I don't want to be anywhere near. So I'm just going to use my awesome guns to deal with them until I have to be in the bubbles. 
Yeah, that's cool. And then I also wanted to talk about your whole kind of the Soulstone denial plan. Uh, you know, bringing Levy specifically because he's got some tools to deny Soulstone use. And that was that something that you kind of knew before, or was that something that you figured out when you saw a, a list with a ten Soulstone pool and two Soulstone miners, and you're like, "Hey, <laughs> Soulstone's maybe important to this dude." How, how did that play out? And a crew made up of almost nothing but Soulstone users. Like yeah. I said, like like I said, since I knew he was, I mean, and that's like not an advantage that you should have. But when somebody's playing only one crew the entire tournament, you know what they're playing. Yeah, you know what I mean. So like, since I knew he was playing Crossroad Seven, I knew that Levy would give me the best chance to win because he ignores most of their defensive tech, right? So I didn't care how many Soulstones he had because Levy was going to ignore their Soulstones. Yeah, you can have. Yeah, essentially he had eighteen, you know, ish. You know, it's like it doesn't Correct. matter. Yeah. Uh, and so since I had Levy, I also brought. I did bring Alice with the purpose of draining his soulstone pool. Okay. But uh, that was just so everybody else could have a good time. I knew Levy. I knew Levy was going to have fun at this party. I brought Alice so that everyone else could have fun at the party too. There you go. No, that's cool. That's that's all that I had. Thank you very very much. Man, listening to both Andre and Carlo talk about how they think about the game, I'm like, I'm I don't think about it that way at all. I'm out of my depth. <laughs> hey, you know what? Are... To be fair, uh, I mean, I'm playing against because uh, I'm always running events myself, and when I'm playing, most of the time I'm playing against new players or I'm playing as the non-competing ringer. So I don't run into all kinds of stuff. I there's a lot of masters who I have not played against in third edition. Like I have not played against Leviticus since second edition. Yep. Um, I would say he's in the, probably the top three best masters in outcast right now. I would say if I had to rank masters and I hate doing that, but if I had to do it, I would say Tara Levy one and Von Schill one are probably the three best masters in outcast. Man, I read Levy one and I thought I'm killing Levy on my own. I can't play this thing. <laughs> you, that's why you need. That's why you need Marlena. Yeah. She stops you from killing yourself. You uh, underestimate my ability to sabotage myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So speaking of you know not going up against a whole bunch of stuff that are uh, running into new things. Advice. What advice do you have for a bottom third player? You know, someone facing. Leviticus for the first time uh, against two questions, right? Advice for a bottom tier player and somebody facing Leviticus. Okay. Yeah. Um, often the same person there, you know, but yeah. It's yeah. Often the same person. Um, okay. So for a bottom tier player, reps, 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 one more time, reps, play more games. If you're a bottom tier player, you got to play the game because you got to know, it, playing the game more will help you know how to run your crew, will help you know what other crews do, will help you know how the game works, right? So playing more games, like I said, I, the way that I got better was I like vowed that I was going to play one game a week. And and two years later, that's over 100 games. You know what I mean? And I went to Gen Con, and I've been to a lot of dogs tourneys, so sometimes you get more. And And I went to the GT, and in the GT, I played like 10 games that weekend. You know what I mean? My thing is, is if you're a bottom tier player, play more games. That's my biggest advice. Uh, as somebody facing Levy for the first time, know that you can't stop him from killing you. Identify sacrifices, feed accordingly. 
Yes. So <laughs> exactly. No. Okay. Know that you can't stop him from killing you. Know that if you go to engage him, you are losing the game. Hey now. I'm being. Ser- <laughs> I, I'm being no, serious. I, I I agree because it's yeah. like. Well, so if you engage yeah. Levy, if you engage Levy, every time you punch Levy, if it's against defense, you're taking one damage. Okay, so you're just making it easier for him to kill you. And his yeah. bigger his bigger damage threat is on melee. It, it's so counterintuitive because he he has a really good gun, you know, and yeah, uh, and so it's like, uh, yeah, you're like, oh, it's he's got a gun, I am up, and you're like, no, that is in fact not what you want to do. So that is great advice, and really appreciate. Yeah, no, that. yeah, you definitely don't want to get him in melee because you're gonna take way more damage if you get him in melee. Okay, so you're going to take the damage from hitting him. You're going to take the damage from activating three inches close to him. And guess what? Every time you do that, he heals for one per activation. Yeah. So it gets real tough to deal with when you're in a melee bubble with Levy. Um, it's better to shoot him, even though you're still probably going to take damage, right? But taking maximum four damage versus maximum six damage, it's already that. That's one. Uh, another thing is... Uh, focus down those waves. If you got range 14 guns, range 12 guns, use those. Any sort of scout model, use those to kill the waves. If you got anti-demise, bring it. And then um, stunned really hurts Leviticus. Yeah, because if you stun him before you engage him, then you're not taking the damage from hitting him because he can't declare those defensive triggers. Do you care about stagger at all? Or is it not an issue? With Leviticus, not really. Yeah, that's what I figured. Do you adjust him from being melee to shooting if he starts staggered? Uh, the thing about Leviticus is it doesn't matter if he's yeah. engaged, if he's shooting or hitting something. It doesn't matter. He's still doing damage, and he's still doing what he's made to do, which is kill things. Okay. You know what I mean? Because he's always going to have focus, and you can expect him to do moderate at least once per attack. Once per activation, sorry. I, I could see the possibility of stiff-arming him with a two-inch engagement range model. Make him walk. Well, that's just robbing him of one attack. Right. But it's one fewer attack. Yeah, it's one fewer <laughs> attack. You're still going to take six damage off the first attack if things go accordingly. But at least it's one fewer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can attest to that. I thought of that too, and it, it didn't last long. <laughs> if, you put him at, if you put him at two inches, though, you can have a scavenger push him before he activates oh, there you as go. well. So there there are workarounds. All right, so then advice for a middle third player. What would you uh, give to them? So advice for a middle third player, I'm going to reiterate what I tried to say earlier, is when you're a middle third player, that means that you know how to play your game, you know how to play your crew, and you know mainly what some of your opponents do. So I feel like to improve your game, you got to get better at making a game plan. Okay? So whether that's like Travis did against Andre... I would never pick two schemes that require me to put down 10 markers. Ever. I think that's way too many AP to sink into doing markers. Okay? Maybe that's just because I'm an outclass player and we don't have a lot of scheme markery crews. Maybe that's what it is. Okay? But if you have a model that just says, hey, I turn one corpse into three scheme markers, then yeah, by all means, do that. You know what I mean? I think that, like I said, like my game plan was... Keep him away from me. Use my Necropunks to get catch and release. Right? I love catch and release as a scheme. I can always get one point 
sometimes two points. Because even if my model doesn't engage the model at the to get that first point, at the end of the game, all it has to do is be alive and on your opponent's side, and I'm going to get that extra point. So yeah. I like I like that scheme a lot. I like catch and release a lot. I like uh, public demonstration a lot. I like schemes like that where like they're easy to score at least one point on. So again, I think that the main thing for a middle table player is be better at designating models to serve you a game plan. Does that make sense? Make your plan, stick to it. Correct. Yeah. Because, because just like Andre said about uh, Travis's game, is Andre was expecting him to fight him, and Travis's game plan was, I have to put down 10 markers this game to win this game. You know? And so he designated, like, Minaka Ray to put out Kadashiro to drop markers, and he used this big beater lone swordsman to uh, drop markers. You know what I mean? So if your game plan is, I need to put down 10 markers, stick to your plan. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Noticing a theme amongst all three people. <laughs> a general advice is pretty consistent, you know. Make a plan, stick to it, play your game. I think a lot of middle to top third players are discovering those same things, and that's what players uh, who are starting out should focus on. It's just the same kind of uh, advice. Make a plan. You'll naturally r- across it, run across it, or you could just get a, a early head start by thinking about it now. But ultimately... If you improve, you're pretty much agreeing to the same core tenets that everybody else is saying, from what I hear. Well, and I think one of the other things that we've discussed a bunch is, if you've got your plan, don't fall to your opponent's bait to break your plan because there's something juicy out there. You've got a plan, stick to it, don't fall into their traps. It took me so long not to go into retaliation mode in this game. It took me so long. Your oh, honor. Nikima, Nikima <laughs> just came and smacked Eric and left him at one HP. Oh, crap. My honor. I guess I better activate <laughs> Eric before he dies, even though nothing else can reach him. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, it's yeah. stuff like that. You know, like, don't feel like you have to react to everything that goes wrong for you. I, I guess. I don't know. Yep. All right. So... For a top tier player, now I mean you you won this game uh, eight to two. I would say that there's maybe not a lot that you wish you had done differently, but you know, is there anything you wish you'd done differently? And what did you learn from this game? So, what I learned from this game is that my gut wasn't was correct, and that bringing Levy into the Crossroads Seven was probably the best choice I had. And uh, what a, uh, another thing I learned from this game is that Envy's gun is really good. <laughs> <laughs> and that uh, Wrath being able to control who you attack is really strong. Especially if it's an irreducible gun like Levy's. I got lucky because if I had flipped that red joker on damage on that scab, it's dead. Well, now, I mean, it, if, you're, if you're on a um, positive flip, or uh, you can choose not to take the... Correct, but if I'm on a negative flip, I can't. Because <laughs> I can choose to relent the attack, which is what I did. And so I flipped a double negative. If that had been a red joker, I would have been like, oh no, my scavenger, yeah. why? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, that's what I learned. And then what was the other question? I'm sorry, I forgot. Uh, what do you wish you had done differently? I wish I had tried to do my assassinate points faster because other than pulling that 
my, so my game plan was like deleting one model a game uh, a turn and then uh turn four get my assassination first point and then turn five getting my second one right but it got to a point where he was like i know you have assassinate because i think that that's the most the thing that makes malifaux the most unique and cool game out there is that turns one and two are vastly different from turns four and five so turns one and two are how can i get points and then turns four and five or how can i stop my opponent from scoring his points you know <laughs> well and also the how do i set myself up for that second point if i've already gotten the first part exactly so yeah. like this is one of the few games that i've played where like the game kind of evolves every turn and that's super cool but like what i wish i had done differently is i wish i had gotten my first point of assassinate sooner I mean, he did a really good job of keeping Envy in the back and just using that gun to its full potential, you know? And I tried to engage it with Necropunks, but I just kept failing a lot of leaps. Uh, I wish that I had dedicated a little more manpower to trying to bring down Envy. That's what I wish I had done differently. Okay, this is a Crossroads 7 question, so you may not know, but the idea on taking Envy as a leader, which I guess is just to get the Arcane Effigy, did the Arcane Effigy... Was that a factor in the game where you've chosen pride and, or yeah, just any thoughts on the effigy? Not really. Okay. I wouldn't have because I think, I mean, here's the thing is the arcane effigy was used as a can kicker. So like it didn't really do much this game aside from score him or try to score him points on the can. Okay. Actually, I think, I think his two points, one of them was assassinate because Levy hurt himself down to half. Yeah. And then the, and then the other one was one can point that the arcane effigy scored him. So that was mainly what the Arcane Effigy did. I don't know if there's a better Arcanist minion that he can bring. Well, it has to be one of the effigies. Yeah, if you're doing henchman and lead. No, 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 no. No, that's for the totem, the free totem. No, that's that's for the totem. But if he's playing Arcanist, that's how he brought two Soulstone Miners. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Since, Since in my opinion, Arcanists have the best upgrades in the game. Soulstone Cash is kind of irrelevant in this case because they all have Soulstone usage, right? But Diesel Engine giving concealment is pretty good. I don't know if he maybe should have done that, considering the fact that I had two really good guns. Even though I had to focus, it's not a plus flip. It's a straight flip in this case. And if then I'd have to deal with concealment and manipulative, which is a lot harder to do. And then maybe uh, bring a living minion so that he could have gotten an extra card might have helped him. That's just thinking outside the box. I don't know if any of that is better than just more soul stones, though. Yeah, but no, that's cool. No, thanks for thanks for that. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking. I, I should have been thinking about what minions you could bring. but And so, yeah, that makes sense. I was simply thinking about the effigies. Yeah, basically, when you pick a master with the Crossroads 7, you're picking it for, in my opinion, you're picking it for the upgrades of the faction and the minions that you can bring. Makes sense. So uh, I have a question. When you were mentioning how you wish that you scored Assassinate faster, I've always been of the mind of if you pick Assassinate, you're trying to score that as fast as possible regardless. Like, is there a reason to push off trying to score that sooner? Well, no, I, I'm in that same boat with you. Yeah, okay. I, try to, I, I try to score it like if I can score the force first point by turn three and then kill yeah. their master, then I'm winning. Exactly, because it synergizes with getting rid of a master, so you want to get rid of that thing as fast as possible. But he did have catch and release, so I had to wait. I did, so I didn't want to kill everything because I needed that catch and release point. Mm. Right? Okay. Uh, also, he kept Envy in his deployment zone behind a concealing terrain. Mm. 
and that affected me more than it affected him because he's got a built-in plus flip and can give himself focus. Mm -hmm. So I'm shooting him at a straight flip with focus and he's shooting me at a plus flip through concealment. Got it. It was either I dedicate my forces to go around the bubble and kill Envy or I kill the bubble so that I can eventually get to Envy. And that's what delayed it. It's, I didn't Correct. know if you have a, a game plan in terms of delaying. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I've, I've just always thought that's why half the reason why I don't take assassinate because I don't want to feel that pressure of having to kill the hardest model. You want to know something? If it's like certain masters and I take assassinate, I'll kill them without scoring the first point. Yeah. I want that master off you the board. You get more gains. Yeah. Yeah. Like if it's like, I don't know, somebody like Maxine. And the opportunity comes. And the opportunity comes to kill it, kill it. Get it off yeah. the board. What's well, two points when they can't? Who's in the position to recover when they lose a master early? It's like two points for that. I'd take that. I would say it depends on the crew. Yeah. Right. But uh, like, for example, in your case with the Von Schill game, like you lost Von Schill like at the bottom of turn one. One, yeah. So like, since you didn't have any way other than the steam trunk to get your uh, upgrades out, that was a big, big, big like, yeah. loss for you. And Assassinate wasn't in the pool then, but I knew that if I could kill Von Schill, I needed to kill him. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, if you have the opportunity to get rid of Master nine times out of ten, you should take it. But yeah. uh, I was just wondering is if there's a a reason to delay maybe bluffing on what your thing is. But ultimately if you're hit smacking on a master, I'm, I'm thinking immediately you probably have assassinated if it's in the pool. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's one of the hardest to, to disguise when you have assassinate in the pool, you know? Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so therefore it's like, get rid of it fast. I honestly have found more times where I'm like, Oh, I wish I had taken assassinate. than where I wish I had not taken assassinate. I'm the opposite, but I mean, inherently different crews. Yeah. It depends. It depends on the master. It depends on the master to me, because there are some masters which are really tough to bring down. I just always assume every master is like nearly unkillable. Just <laughs> yeah. like, for example, like, like Ivan's tough to kill. Tony Ironsides is tough to kill. Uh, Titania is tough oh, yeah. to kill. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so like, it depends on the matchup for me whether or not I take Assassinate. You know, like, if it's a master that I know I'm going to, like, have to spend my entire crew to get one point, I might just not take this game. <laughs> That's how I feel every game. It's like, I will fail trying to kill a master. I mean, I'll kill... I've, I've killed them before, but I just don't find it consistent in my playstyle. so... Yeah. Well, I mean, I, there's definitely times where I've found... That it's the, oh, wow, they went down a lot easier than I was expecting. Yeah. As opposed to the, oh, they went down harder than I was expecting. Yeah. Okay, I challenge you to take Assassinate into Titania next time you play. <laughs> Which one? One or two? As a, or both. As Either a way. serious yeah. Titania player, no, I would not take Titania, uh, Assassinate against Titania. Yeah. That one I yeah. yeah, it's tough. When you can't severe her ever, and she's got, what, hard to wound also? Well, now you can severe uh, Titania 2. Titania 2, yes, but Titania 1 has that, uh, what's it called? Uh, disappointment. Um, she's yeah. she's not angry, she's just disappointed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the same thing that Nyx has and the Iron Matron has. Cruel disappointment, that's what it's called. She's not when angry, she's just disappointed. Yes, mm -hmm. when you can't severe her and she heals one time, one point every time something activates within a certain aura and she's got hard to wound, like it's not, and she has soul stones, it's not easy to kill her. At all. Yeah. I do love me some Titania. <laughs> of course. She's great.
But yeah, I feel like, you know, we're kind of wrapping things up here. So, uh, Carlo, do you have any, you know, plugs or parting thoughts or things to promote? Do they have to be Malifaux related? No, they do uh, not. Is that yeah. what you're hinting at, Doug? A little bit there, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. So I'm in a band and I just put out an album. Go listen to it. The name of my band is called Big Story. And the name of the album or EP I just put out is called Hot. It's on all streaming platforms. If you like rock and roll, heavy music, not heavy music, there's something in it for everybody. Uh, go check it out. And If you hate it, tell me, because I want to know. <laughs> That will be in the show notes. That one link uh, has it on all streaming platforms. So if you click that link, you can. Oh, that's awesome. Cool. Now we are super looking uh, forward it. to hearing that. Also, uh, f- flip more cards. Flip more cards. Yeah. Flip cards, not tables. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. This has been an absolute pleasure. Guys. I'm so glad we finally got to have you on. This was fun. But yeah. Awesome. Students of Conflict is brought to you by Top Dog Design. Check out topdogdesign.com for all of your Malifaux terrain needs. Top Dog Design, 3D printable designs to enhance your tabletop. Students of Conflict is not an official product of Weird Miniatures LLC. All intellectual property belonging to Weird Miniatures is used with permission. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of entities they represent. Any content provided by our guests and or hosts are their opinion and not intended to malign any group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Woo! The button. Where's the button? Go? The there button. button. Nice. Do, 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 do. Look up the Necropunk. It's five. Oh, there you go.